I'm in the zone! One of a kind when it's time to do mine, camcorder, and the whole shit. Press rewind, let it flow on the screen while we puffs the L. Laying back in the cut while we're under the spell. Word life! I like the way the F went down. Go to sleep. Tomorrow I'll take you back downtown. We'll be doing it and doing it and doing it well. Doing it and doing it and doing it well. Doing it and doing it and doing it well. My favorite thing about that video is when LL Cool J is just like, like, just eating an apple for no freaking reason whatsoever. Like he's in a club. There are half-naked men and women everywhere. He's just freaking gyrating. And it's just like this like sexy milieu. And then LL Cool J is just like eating an apple, like full-on open mouth. There's just like, it's, dude, what are you doing? Look, apple a day. Look. You can't have that in there. You're What are you going to do with the core when you're done? There's not just easy trash cans in the club. God damn it. Anthony, <laughs> Anthony, I just want to point out that that having you st- look because you're in my video feed right now, and having you yeah. stare me in the face while you were singing that, I just felt like this this rush of of brotastic energy between you and I. And I just it really it, that, that was a, wonderful. That was a super bro union. On that was a, fantastic. This is a brotastic episode of the Continue Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to episode nine of Continue. My name is Anthony John Agnello. And uh, with me today is my illustrious co-host, Steph Roberts, Dave Roberts. Hello. Uh, he His hat is like a shark's fin, and his... he also uses it to store his <laughs> apple cord when he's done. That's, that's what he does. He puts it, he gives it to his bird, who survived with him and Tom Jane. The, they survived those computerized sharks. Yes. Uh, and our other co-host, Susan Arndt, is not with us today. She's going to be listening to this episode fresh uh, as she plays Cat Quest. Uh, on a sunny beach somewhere. But sitting in the third chair is the Super Devoren Gamecast's own John Phipps. John, what the hell is up? Wait, we're on a podcast? Yeah. yeah. Oh, this is, uh, oh this shit. Is... <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I, I thought, thought we this just... was a condemned Buffalo Wild Wings. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> no, dude, this is no, dude, this is awesome. I, uh, I, I have. It, it is one thing to listen to uh, the Continue podcast uh, every two weeks, but it is another thing entirely to actually be on the Continue podcast. Susan's got some some big shoes to fill, but I, and I promise you, I, I will not adequately fill them. Like that is that is my <laughs> that is my pledge to you. Um, yeah, but like, don't, yeah. You, it's not like you just simply don't have uh, as encyclopedic a knowledge. Of the video games that allow you to put hats on cats. That's I, just I, not. I, I don't. Can... I, I, I don't. I, I don't have the. I don't have the uh, the catitude. You would say that that Susan does. Uh... Um, but I've got plenty of those dad jokes uh, ready to roll. So we got we got dad jokes for days <laughs> on the show. Uh, anybody who has uh, never had the the joyous experience of viewing or listening to the Super Deformed Gamecast, it is one of my favorite podcasts to listen to. And watch about video games because it, it is like when you have everyone who co-hosts with you, John, it is like a free for all. Usually you listen to something and it's like three to maybe five people. But I've seen, you know, the Gamecast get to like nine, nine people, people. Yeah. yelling at each other about like Destiny sucks, Destiny rules, you suck, Saki sucks. It's Saki does suck. 
I don't know. Saki. I'm a fan of I'm a fan of Saki. Saki does. Well, I, I'll tell you this much: that the, the we we are a lovable dumpster fire, and uh, you know it, it's uh, put that it's, on a it, shirt. It's certainly not. It's certainly not Da Vinci, uh, but but we have a good time. And I think the you know the best part about that that podcast is that none of us agree on almost anything, but we all love each other. Uh, so yeah, yeah, dude, I it is a, it is an honor to be here, man. Like to uh, to to be in your company. This is this is fantastic. So we are uh, everybody. We are recording this not on the day that you are listening to it. We are recording this on at this moment on November twenty seventh, and by the time that this is released, it will be December fourth, which means that everybody <laughs> listening uh, will have seen. The settling of a of a bet between the Super Deformed Gamecast and the Continue Podcast. Uh, and when you're listening to this, Xenoblade Chronicles 2 for Nintendo Switch will have been delayed until 2018. It'll have been pushed into next year. All the, the oh, Nintendo PR will have reached John out to will, all the reviewers and John's told them to... Have to play pray. I mean, Anthony, there's still, there's still, what, four days left, man? Anything I got four can days. happen. Yeah, all those, all those reviewers are going to put their 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 essays on hold. That's right. Nintendo PR is putting out fires. That's not. That <laughs> I bad. just Monolith delays every single one of their games, and this was the horse that Anthony bet on. It's this not just. One. It's not even like. It's not even the fact that Monolith has de- de- delayed every single game that they've developed since two thousand one. It's the fact that it's also a Nintendo RPG. When was the last time <laughs> Nintendo revealed something in Nintendo Direct and they're like, oh, we're getting back into JRPGs, guys. It's oh, a big, it's so exciting good. Japanese RPG. And then it disappears for three years. And finally... Co- oh, God damn it, uh, Oh, it's... Not to... You know, not to... Not, not to rub salt in your very open wound. But... Yes. But... Man, I'm not gonna lie, man. Like I, I made this bet with you, and I second guessed myself every single day. I was like, "Was this a good decision? Am I going to be regretting this?" Because I really don't like prey. And after that direct, I, like, I knew I was like, "Okay," I was like, "Oh man!" Like, okay, there it is, December first. I can't. At, I the one uh. game that Monolith does not delay. Oh. And it's I, and I just and, and everybody told me what a foolish bet that was, and I, I would I just want to point out this is the only Twitter bet I have ever won. <laughs> this is the only one, the yeah. most improbable bet is the I, only one I've ever won. This is this is only the second Twitter bet that I've ever made, and I just I I need to <laughs> not do it because I always lose. The last time this happened was before E three twenty fifteen, Silicon Era. SiliconERA.com had that leaked story that Final Fantasy VII Remake was going to be at Sony's mm. press conference. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I said flat out, I was working for Engadget at the time, and I said via the Engadget Twitter feed, there's no goddamn way that this is actually happening. Yeah, it was and that. It was like that, the last Guardian release date, and Shenmue, and Shenmue 2. And Shenmue 3. That, that was just or the Shenmue 3, yeah. That was that was just like that was like the Bermuda Triangle of E threes. I mean that was that was that was fucking unbelievable. Yeah. Um. I and I just want to point out that Anthony is a man of honor. I I offered to absolve him of his responsibilities. Uh, he's got to stream the Evil Within, a game that he despises. Uh-huh. I absolve. I, tr- I I said Anthony, you can a- after I won. I said 
you can you can opt out of the bet, and he chose not to. Yeah. Um, so I, he is I, he is I'm a man of honor. Word. He is a man of his word. I just want to. We also for... we also need to somehow find a hat made of butts. I don't know how I'm going to do this. Oh no, I know I, exactly I... how I'm going to do it. I'm going to find a hat made of butts, and I'm going to send it to you. <laughs> I actually think like I need to like I I can feel like the moment in my future when I go to a grocery store. And I'm like, hey, can I talk to your cake artist? I have a really interesting request. Oh, what is it for a birthday party and anniversary? Kinda, kinda. <laughs> <laughs> it's kinda like that. Kind of not. It's like a celebration. Only I'm not really celebrating anything. It's like, can you can you make like a hat? Yeah, okay, we we can make a hat. But like the top of it, like the brim, can you make that look like a butt? What, oh, do you like mean a, the... what do you mean a butt, sir? Like this picture here. I've taken a picture of a butt. Just hang here. This. It's not mine. It's not mine. This is totally appropriate. As far as you know. Uh, oh, dear. Uh, that's going to be a dark day when I have to play the evil within. Luckily, I think every single person uh, here on today's episode has actually been playing good games that aren't the evil within. Oh, Jesus. Um, and Dave, I want to start with you because yeah. a game... I, I, I think everybody who listens to continue knows that Vita means life. It does. Mm. And Vita will never not mean life. And everybody, I've been told every single day for over almost six years now, from February of 2012 until today, I've been told that the Vita is a dead system. It's garbage and it's dead. Mm. And last week, an amazing Vita game that everybody thought was never going to happen happened. The Vita release of Valhalla came out yes v and dash one one hall dash a <laughs> or valhalla colon cyberpunk bartending action oh, oh it's I, so good that sounds I'm amazing so, yeah lay lay it out for the people that have never played the original pc release of valhalla or have no clue what we're talking about lay down the science so tip. it is a it is a waifu bartending sim is like kind of the way that the the developers uh, pitched this as, um, basically like like the, they came up with this whole backstory where it's like it's the future twenty six x, in Glitch City, this cyberpunk dystopia. The this this uh, Zaibatsu Corp runs the world. They have these white knights that like rule over the city with an iron fist. Um, and all this stuff, like, all these, like, political machinations are going on. That the game isn't about that stuff. I mean, like, it's there sort of as, like, window dressing for the general, for the game. But rather, it's about, uh, you play as a bartender in this shitty watering hole, often in one of these districts. And you just, you, f- you feed people drinks as they come in and tell you their stories. And they have a lot of stories to tell. It's a, it's a really. So is it well, a visual novel? I've, I've yes. only ever seen screens of this. Yes, it is a uh, visual novel. Uh, the so, for those you don't know, visual novel is basically just like a fancy way of saying you gotta read a lot. Um, there's there are characters that talk to each other, like portraits of characters. They they say stuff, and rather than <clears throat> making decisions uh, in the game by like responding to dialogue 
Like, normally in a visual novel, someone would say, hey, let's go over here, and you'd be like, no, I want to go over here, and you say, okay, and then, like, the game branches based off of that. Um, instead, the your decisions are based off of what drinks you serve people. So as a bartender huh. in this bar, um, people will come to you and ask for, like, okay, look, I... I want a I want a big beer. Just give me a big beer. And because of the way that the future works, like no one actually makes beer anymore. It's just a combination of like different flavors and their version of alcohol, which is called Karmatrine. So you have to like mix these different cans of alcohol into this container in the middle and then hit the mix button and it mixes the drink. And once it's done, you serve it to them and you get money based on how well you do. So, And there are different modifiers. So like, if someone wants a big beer, you take the amount of ingredients and you double them. So you have to make sure you follow the instructions, put the ingredients in. And then like sometimes drinks require you to mix them. And uh, sometimes they want them to be blended. Some drinks are on the rock. Some drinks need to be aged. So you have to pay attention to all these different little ingredients. But like other times, the instructions that you get from the patrons are less uh, specific. They're just like, just give me something sweet. I don't care. Just fuck it. Just give me whatever. And you're like, okay. So you go through the, the menu and you have a variety of different drinks to pick with that uh, that description. And based on what you pick, uh, there are various, uh, you can, you can't really change the story exactly. The story plays out Hmm. in a very specific way, but there are ways that you can kind of like nudge the story in different directions. So like if you can answer people's riddles, um, for like what drinks that they want, like if they ask for something, but really they're kind of depressed and you know what their favorite drink is, you can give them that and that might unlock an ending with that character hmm. that you wouldn't get otherwise. Uh, there's That's lots cool. of, yeah, it's, it's really cool. The writing is really well done. Um, a lot of like Frank talk about, uh, you know, like very adult conversations that would come up in a bar, like sex and drugs and, and violence and like politics and, uh, their so Twitter, con- basically. Yeah. Twitter, <laughs> basically. Uh, but with drinking, but with drinking. Uh, so like Twitter, basically. Uh, but like it, it a lot of it, 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 some of it's very goofy. Like the the game leans very much into its like like anime inspired like waifu visual novel. Like you're gonna have your favorite characters. You're gonna mm. uh, uh, like there's there's a dog like because it's the future. There are like sentient talking dogs, and they run a corporation, and they're kind of racist. Like some of them are racist, and some of the other dogs are like don't call me racist. I'm not like those guys. Uh, and like yeah, one of the dogs that comes in, his name is Rad Sheba, and he wears sunglasses and has a Hawaiian shirt, and you serve him alcohol, and then he goes and messes up your bathroom. Uh, and so there's like goofiness there, but then there's also like really serious discussions about like what it means to have relationships in a, in a society where like everything feels so artificial and so... So it feels like, it, it, does it feel like legit science fiction? Like when, yeah. like it sounds like real and uh, you know, not to get too nerdy, but you know, there's the difference between something that has like science fiction trappings but are just basically, you know, just about soap opera, essentially. Yeah, like Star Wars. And, like Star Wars. Yeah. And then there's stuff that actually gets into sort of the philosophical implications of what if the world is really like this and use it as a really cool way to yeah, talk about... Like it, yeah, like, it. it's not... Uh, 
it doesn't get like super deep into into things like like it's not it's not heavy like a like a William Gibson novel is. Uh, it it's not it's it's not like trying to teach you a valuable life lesson or anything. <laughs> yes and no. Like there are some it has some themes that have some messages and a lot of them are very like very human and relatable thing themes uh, in the 21st century about like you know what happens when you leave the person you love behind to start a new life uh, for yourself and what happens when they're no longer there to like make amends with. Like those are hmm. very relatable things hmm. that like matter now as much as they will a hundred years from now. It's just like, you know, like what are the implications uh, also of having most of your body replaced by bionic parts or having like by working uh, for this company, like the Jill, the bartender, like her liver is basically uh, was provided by the company she works for, so she can process alcohol better. Well, Dave, um, I just I just want to point out the implications of having almost your entire body replaced by uh, biotic implants. Uh, they're all awesome. <laughs> Every, Every one of those one implications of is amazing. John, are you on team? Like, sign me up for robot parts immediately. I'm fine with that. Yeah, you I know, am like, too. I, I like give it to me. Yeah, but what? But what if that puts you in a position where you constantly owe money to a corporation you work for? Yeah, that's fine. So, okay, I've exactly, got cybernetic. Like, yeah, but that's fine. I can be a I can be a vigilante for hire because I'm obviously going to have uh, cybernetic arms and legs that, let, that allow me to punch through certain objects or leap over certain objects and that I can make my money that way. It's like, it's like student debts. You just, you work hard enough and you pay them off. You, Dave, you, I, you would enjoy this bar. I think you, 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 you actually like, man, you make the good point is every single time I think about this sort of thing, I always have utopian science fiction in my head. Like, Oh, well, an inventor would come up with the cool cybernetic ears that, you know, of course. Basically make sure your hearing is perfect from birth until death and not the Amazon ear featuring yeah. Alexa. <laughs> Especially for Prime customers. Right. Head right, to your Prime yeah. zone for your Prime stake. Uh, so in, in all of Valhalla, you've also been, you are a big fan of the other sort of, uh, the, the big PlayStation Vita uh, visual novels. You you love your nonary games, your virtues last reward, and you love your Dangan Runpa. Yeah, uh, Dragon Runpa. How how does Valhalla sort of feel compared to those? That's a it's, good question. Uh, it's less puzzle solving, like hmm. Dang, Dangan Runpa, uh, virtues last reward, and also like uh, to go the 3ds route, like Phoenix Wright, are a lot about like having a situation that you've been reading about and studying clues and then putting those clues together to solve a mystery. Hmm. Uh, right. Whereas this is very much like you're, you're basically just kind of along for this ride and you can, you can occasionally make drinks. So uh, like, would you compare it to something more like three fourths home in the sense that there's this story and, and you're going to see it through to beginning to end and, and there's, and there's nothing you can really do to affect it. Yeah, there like like I said, there are there are a few different extra endings that it seems like you can get. Uh, there's a good ending and a bad ending based on uh, whether or not Jill is able to pay her rent, and the ability to pay rent depends on whether or not you perform well enough uh, by making drinks to afford it, and also whether or not you spend all your money on a bunch of dumb posters and video games at the store <laughs> in between days. Um, <laughs> this game is College Simulator. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
But it's, yeah, but there are ways also, like, there are the endings, and then there are little ways here and there that, like, based on what drinks you serve, they'll react, like, the person will react differently. Like, if you make them something that you d- they don't like, they'll go, like, yuck. Or if you make them something that they didn't expect, they'll respond to that, too. But it's still, like, you're gonna hit those same story beats no matter what. And there's not, like, a whole lot of puzzle-solving the way of, like, Danganronpa, where you're, like, actually, like, trying to escape from a room or trying to put items together, like an adventure game, uh, like you would do there. Um, I recommend it a lot. The thing that sucks, uh, and, like, it, this game has been a long time coming for Vita. It got announced for Vita about two years ago. I went to PAX mm. East... 2015 and when i saw it they had the pc build but also they were talking about how the vita version was going to be coming after the pc version uh that got uh sent off to another person who handled the the port and when i got the pre-release code it was buggy as hell like menus were half loading uh yeah the patch fixed most of it but there are some parts where you're just like, this screen just isn't big enough to fit the text mm. that it like, because at the end of each mission or mission at the end of each day, you'll get a rundown of like how much alcohol you sold, your take home for the day, uh, whatever bonus you get for like, if you serve customers perfect all day, you'll get a special bonus and you also get additional bonuses from your boss who like really likes you. Um, and sometimes the descriptions for those things extend past the number value for, huh. yeah, like on, on the, the table that it's on. So it's like if this were on a PC with a higher resolution, it'd be fine. But on a Vita screen, it's either make the text smaller, which you won't be able to read it, or do something else that they probably just can't do because the game was made and uh, I think Game Maker or something uh, just like it will require more work and I like it just it feels like it's I wish it came to switch because it deserves it will better hardware it, it almost will. It, it almost sounds like they they were like you know what it's been two years just kick it out the door you yeah know, just, just just get it out you know it sounds like they kind of half-assed it which is which is a shame but I mean, like, what, what, what game won't be on switch in the next five years though what I mean, what indie game of any success or renown <laughs> won't be on switch i mean that's like, the thing right like there are there are there are tons of indie games right now that were supposed to be coming out for the vita that i have given up all all hope for like papers please oh, um, yeah. that was supposed to come out for the vita years ago and we still haven't seen high and they're like still like, oh it's coming it's coming and uh no it's not so so bring papers please to the switch no. um bring all these games i mean there are game and there are games on the vita that did not sell well that absolute, they just they deserve a much wider audience. Than, mm. You know, then they got a great example is Lone Survivor, the director's cut, um, which is just a phenomenal two D horror game from yeah. Uh, it's like a pi- yeah, it's a pixelated, yeah, it's like, basically scrolling horror it's a, game. It, right? it, it, it's basically what Silent Hill would be if it were the super for uh, for the Super Nintendo. Um, oh and man, Jasper, one guy, Jasper Byrne made it, and it is just and it is just a phenomenal game. That's my favorite Vita game. Um, and it did, and it didn't sell. And I would love, and so there are so many indie games on Vita that would find a a second home on Switch. I would just, oh man. But I, 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 but I know what you're saying. I mean, I don't. I, I think you you are going to see, you know, like early the beginning at the beginning of this gen, everybody was like, okay, PS4 is the new home for indies, right? Like they are yeah. the most indie. That's where all the indies are going. 
within the next year, I guarantee you it's going to be all about the Switch. It's already happening. Um, but the Switch is going to be the indie machine, and I am on board that train oh. all day long. It's because it's the good Vita. Like, yeah. whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> no, no, whoa, it whoa, is whoa, the no, whoa. no, Anthony. He's right. He's got a point. It is the good like, Vita. Let's uh, let's let's so, let's call it the the better. Yeah, the better. Well, because because I won't, thing, I like, won't uh, have my precious baby besmirched. There was that. There was that. Uh, that heartbreaking blog post from the uh, 2064 read-only memories developers that basically said that, like, barring miracles, which I think they're still trying to find some way to get it to work, but like, barring miracles, that game isn't going to show up on Vita because it just doesn't have enough RAM. Yeah. Like, and the the tricks that the, that they would need to pull, and like that was kind of the a common complaint that we heard from so many developers when we would talk to like, hey, why isn't Enter the Gungeon coming to Vita? It's a pixel looking game. And you're just like they 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 kind of like yeah, like you know, but there's a lot going on under the hood, mm-hmm. and like the Vita looks like a powerful machine, but like it actually doesn't have as much power as you think it does. And I think that a lot of people are going to look at the Switch as something like, well, I wanted to make a game for for the Vita, which has this amazing screen, the buttons on the hand, like, it's, like, great, but it's oh, so... Oh, that OLED screen is just so um, uh, gorgeous. Uh, but, but, like, it's so, constr- especially now, it's so constricting in terms of, like, what developers have to do to f- just to fit their games on there. Whereas now with the Switch, that, like, you're basically making for, making for a console at this point, like a proper... Well, the, pro- the problem with the Vita was is that, you know, I almost said Nintendo, Sony had a winner on their hands and they didn't know what to do with it. They didn't know how to market it. And when they when they introduced the concept of using it as a companion device for your PS4, for a moment, I was like, okay, they've got it. Like, they figured it out. This is going to be yeah. huge. And what they should have done, I said this from day one and they didn't do it, what they should have done was at that point you start bundling the Vita in with the PS4. Yeah. And John, throw it throw it into the PS4 and 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 that is how you get Vitas in homes and they they didn't do it. And here, here was the other thing. They needed to make what like and I, when they announced the Vita 2000, which I don't know, I don't know if you guys have that, you know, the the second the revision of the the hardware that doesn't no, I, have the I OLED spit, screen. No, I spit on the I spit on the LCD screen. It's great. Dude, it's, really? that's that's the only version of this console that I still play. I still have my launch unit, but I got one of the... Uh, it's a lot lighter, isn't Vita it? 2000. It's a lot lighter. It just... Everything that they improved in terms of the actual button layout and size and feel of the system completely outweighs the loss of the OLED screen, which mm. I never expected to say. But that revision was doomed from the freaking start. Because they stuck with the insanely expensive proprietary yeah. memory cards. Yep. I mean, a 64 gigabyte memory card for the Vita, na- like, was, when they were brand new, $90. Unbelievable. But now, they're insanely hard to find. Yeah. Like, getting one of the biggest memory cards for this thing, they're, they're collector's items already. Well, and people ask all the time, Anthony, they ask all the time, are we going to see a Vita 2? And I think the answer is unequivocally no. Like, no. That, that, that's done. Especially with the Switch on the market, that's yes. done. I, well, that, that dream we'll, is dead. We'll 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 get to this subject in a little bit, but I I do wonder. I I don't necessarily think that we're going to see a Vita two by any stretch of the imagination, but I also don't necessarily think that there won't be something that you hold in your hand that's a PlayStation. I mm. I think that 
there is the possibility that Sony sees the success that Nintendo is having and tries to follow them. I, I don't that's, think... That, that's what everyone's... Do- <laughs> Remember, I like, think... connect in the move, try to copy the Wii remotes? So. Uh, yeah, that is, I, that is a losing... I think that is a losing prospect for Sony. I think there is room for, on, the, on the market for one Switch-like device, and Nintendo yeah. nailed it. And nobody... I mean, let's face it. There is a reason that Nintendo has dominated the handheld market since since inception right mm. like other like you know the game gear tried it um there was another uh the gizmo the, tur- the turbo um, express the turbo express the wonder the turbo swan ex- the tur- you guys remember the, the wonder express. swan the turbo the tur- express was good yeah and it was in in its own sad way an attempt to be the switch in 1990 it, it like, was it was like, oh it's just a turbo graphics but, i mean I, I i i can tell you right now i think that i think the market can sustain one of those devices and i think the switch is it like like if if it were to come out tomorrow that the ps5 was going to be a hybrid device like the switch i would Uh-oh. i would write it off immediately i'd be like no forget it I'm, i don't no. think i don't think it would be the playstation 5 i don't think it would be the playstation 5 but i I I do in my head wonder if Sony would sit there and say, is the sustainability of the console market in just destroying the barrier between home console, the thing that is stuck in front of your television, and PC and, you know, handheld? What if we take this console that we've had immense success with and have this incredible library for in the PlayStation 4... And what if we just make a way to make it even cheaper and to keep new games coming out for it? And it's something that you can take with you if you want. Now, if they made like a, like when the PS5 comes out, if they made like a portable PS4, like a handle, right. like that, that's money. Like I would pick that up and play Bloodborne on the toilet. Right. Yeah. Like, you know, I would never leave the toilet if I had Bloodborne <laughs> in my hands. But I mean, let's face it, man. I mean, I'm just, I'm just being real. <laughs> But, honey, I'm moving in here. This is where I'm staying from honey, now you, on. Honey, you've been in the bathroom for four hours. <laughs> like, I'm not even doing anything in here. But no, like I, I think I, I, I think Sony is is looking. I'm, I, they would be fools if they weren't at least looking at the possibility of something like that. Sure, but I, I, I just don't think that I don't think the market can sustain something like that. Yeah, um, that makes sense. I also that don't think sense. that like Sony's the kind of company right now. Um, that could sustain something like that because like there was a time when Sony was, was flush for a while, but right now, like, like it took them a while, but like PlayStation is their main moneymaker now. Oh yeah. Like none of their other departments really do that much. And I don't think that they can take, uh, not only take risks, but then like have these multiple divisions and fund like to put out another handheld device, they would have to, have a bunch of infrastructure to support first party studios because that's how you get the diehards on board is like the but exclusive Dave, games. how does the does how does how does PSVR exist? I mean, well, it, well that's I mean, the thing. That's what they yeah. always do. Like like the Vita comes out, it has a bunch of first party games for the first year and then nothing. PSVR same thing. And it's just like like they have a history of doing this for anything that isn't their mainline console. And I feel mm-hmm. like like Nintendo Switch, like Nintendo can get away with it. See, but that's not true. The Switch PSP. is I mean, the there. PSP, the PSP, you know, survived for almost a freaking decade. Mostly on the back of Monster Hunter, though. Uh, y- yes and no. I mean, the last first party, I think the last first party 
PS Vita game or PSP game came out in 2012 or 2011. 2011. So, uh, tw- yeah. so that's that's seven I mean, years of support. The, I, I'm just I'm just making the argument that you know that Sony games also Sony cost doesn't, a lot more. They, they no, also cost you know, a lot more money to make now. That's apropos that's though. Like like I think you know, Sony has a history of not supporting their peripherals. They just do. Um, and you know what? You mentioned the PSVR, and here's an interesting little side note on the PSVR. I thought that, that was going to be the case at first. I was like, oh, whatever. The PSVR is going to come out in a year. We're not going to hear about it. Did you guys hear? about the sales numbers in the UK for the PSVR last week. No. Have you heard about this? So last week, according to, according to the UK sales monitor chart track, which is, uh, that that's kind of like their NPD, PSVR unit sales for the Black Friday week were on par with launch week and in total were equivalent to all of the past 18 weeks combined. So, but like, what's the number on that? Because if you're talking about the UK market, that's not, the, the UK market is smaller than the japanese market like it's in, it's infinitesimally small <laughs> actually 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 the uk market is now the second largest market in the world that can't um, be true yeah it, yeah the, the the uk market is bigger than the japanese gaming market now wait a second all right all look right. it up we, look we it got, up we gotta we gotta get we gotta get numbers on this look it up look it up uk gaming market by dollar value just lay it on me check world. it out check it all out all right um but uh yeah you know like uh i I mean i just i don't think i don't see sony taking the risk i they are very risk averse i i think especially now that the ps4 is performing the way it is um and the way that they want vr to succeed the uk is the fifth largest video game market i thought it was the second after china usa japan and germany so we were both wrong so we were both wrong no it's, it's it's behind japan I, I, and Japan is tiny. It's is, what is Japan th- third? You said Japan is third. Japan is third, and then Germany is fourth. Germany, uh, oh, but it's still you know it's still we're not we're not talking like China and the USA are like your massive. Big guns. Yeah, you're they're 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 who sort of define these things. None of that none <laughs> of that is to say that like you know the fact that the PSVR is selling well is uh, in, in, in some places to poo poo it. I, you know, I, I'm not saying that. Sales should poo-poo the PSVR. I'm saying that the existence of my summer lesson should poo-poo. <laughs> I mean, if you want to, I mean, if you want to talk about sales, man, how about those PS4 sales? Yeah, over, why don't I'm, we just get into this? Why don't we? Yeah, like why don't we? Why don't we get to the place that we were headed with the PlayStation 4 sales? So lay lay the other Black Friday <clears throat> science on the people, John. So um, this absolutely blew my mind when I read this today. Um, but, and this is, this is coming from Sony's, uh, vice president. I can't remember his name cause I don't care. Um, <laughs> but he said, he, that, he said that black Friday, their black, the black Friday sales of the PS4 were the large, it was their most successful black Friday in the company's history. So if you look at, 22 years that the PlayStation brand has been in existence. It's 22 years, which is really depressing if you're me. You're 37 years old. <laughs> this is Sean, um, Sean but, Layden, I think. Sean Layden, who's no Andrew House. No Andrew let House. Let me tell you. <laughs> yeah. Um, he, so, so the PlayStation 4, four years into its lifespan, has is responsible for their biggest Black Friday ever, which is just completely mind-blowing. I have never heard of anything like that before. And what has been most interesting to me is that they did not say they won Black Friday. 
Yeah. Which, ma- which makes me wonder, did the Nintendo Switch, without a price cut, sell the most consoles on Black Friday? Because if that's true, that is mind-boggling. I, I mean, like, I, as whoever, like, shakes down the, the win... I mean, we'll probably see, like, when the NPDs roll around in December, we'll, we'll hear somebody claim, like, oh, we, we, we had, you know, the biggest sales, the fastest sales, the, the whatever sales. We had the most people eating sandwiches while downloading games. We had the most Bail Organas eating sandwiches <laughs> in our Star Wars Battlefront 2 loot boxes. But, like, like, yeah, man, like, it's, it's crazy... Hey, you're absolutely right. Like, it's crazy that, you know, they're not even saying, like, this is it. This is, this is has been the best-selling console year in and year out since 2014. But they're, they're not even saying that it was the best-selling console of all of Black Friday. Like, that's crazy because, you know, that means that people were buying a hell of a lot of hardware. <laughs> yep. But we are also in a year where people are constantly talking about, like, oh, well... Developers are so constrained by the the technical limitations of the PlayStation 4 and the Xbox One, and they were outdated in terms of, you know, raw PC horsepower available even when they came out back in 2013. Yep. And, well, the Xbox One X is already beating the PS4 Pro, <coughs> and, I mean, hell, like, Pactor, Michael Pactor, you know... Uh, famed Wedbush Morgan analyst uh, who, who you know, is a... Why is Michael Pachter, like, a celebrity <laughs> so, amongst gaming so, nerds? So, 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 here's, so, so here's the thing, like, there's this meme that, that, like, you know, whatever Michael Pachter says, like, the opposite is true. The opposite is true. Because he's never right. But the reason he's never right, like, like I like Michael Pachter. And, and, like, the reason that he, he is never right is because he, he doesn't... Like he does the games predictions for fun, and he pokes sure. fun at himself. He's like, he's like, I almost never get it right, but whatever. He's like, it's fun. I have fun, and 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 people take that and they're like, oh, Michael Pachter doesn't know what he's what he's talking about. I'm like, he works, he works for like one of, he, well, yeah, he's yeah, he's he's, 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 he's incredibly intelligent. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, you go you go try doing that job, um, but but he does it for but but it, that is true though. Like a lot of the stuff he says doesn't happen so when he says for example i think the xbox one is going to win is going to sell the most consoles in november i'm like so nintendo switch then got it but he he was also he, he, i i guess it was about six or seven months ago in the recent past said something along the lines of well he was expecting you know playstation 5 to be a, an incremental upgrade in and of itself and yeah. you know to be barely more powerful than the xbox one x and that he said that it was going to be coming out in 2019, but now he's like, oh, well, Sony doesn't have a reason, so it's probably going to so, be 2020. So incredibly powerful in 2020. Got it. Right. Like, in- yeah. Incredi- <laughs> but even then, so three, you know, three full years and four full years, four full years of PlayStation 4 at this point, and it's selling better than it ever has. It is selling in part because it is very, very cheap and very, very good. And there's there are a ton of kick-ass games on it. Meanwhile, the Nintendo Switch, which is, you know, less power, far less powerful than a PlayStation 4, though impressively capable of playing games that have been on that system, like Doom, is also kicking ass. And this is completely anecdotal. I don't have data to back this up. But the Xbox One X and the PlayStation 4 Pro... They, they, these, you know, the most advanced hardware out there, it, they have their audience, but there's no, like, groundswell. There's nobody no. champing at the bit 
desperate for the most powerful hardware. So my question for both of you guys is have have we finally gotten to the place where the the techno like the, the most technologically advanced, the most you know graphically rich and crazy features gaming machine is no longer the most attractive proposition. Have we finally gotten back to the place that we were in the late 80s with the NES and the Game Boy that was cheap and good is far more important than something that is beefy and the cutting edge, and that's more sustainable? Are we back there, and are you guys cool with that? Um, I don't know if we're back there, because especially because like the Microsoft just unveiled and released the the Xbox One X with all of its teraflops and stuff. And, like, people are buying it. Like, they they seem to have been at least, like, saying that they're enjoying the success of it. So, like, whether (laughs) they're, like, lying or whatever, but, um, like, that seems to be selling well. Like, people are buying the the PS4 Pro. Uh, People are buying PSVR. So I think that, like, there, there is an audience that, wants like games to look really good but i also think that like as more and more companies are realizing that like running a graphical arms race isn't good Mm. business right now um that they're finding what you know ways to do to make interesting games in other ways like like japan has been killing it this year killing it and their best games uh Persona 5, also on PS3. Yakuza 0 was on PS3 in Japan. Uh, and Nier Automata looks like a PS3 game. So, like, uh, I do think that there is an audience that wants games to look good. And, like, I- I'm certainly a person that, like, like if I play a game and it looks nice, I'm like, like wow, that looks really nice. But then hmm. I play a game like Super Mario Odyssey, and I'm, like, and I, like, I never do this in games but I started messing with that photo mode and you can make yeah. some pretty cool photos in that oh, game. Oh, so good. It, it looks really cool nice. And, and it's just like, I think there are always, there are always going to be that pe- those people who are just like teraflops. And it's like, you know what? You guys can have fun on the PC. That's great. Uh, not that all PC gamers are like that, but the, you know, people who like fight over like, megahertz or i don't know i'm i'm a dumb dumb i don't get technology stuff like that <laughs> teraflops yeah but all i care about is if it outputs in 240p man that's yeah. what i want yeah you want, you want that nice posted stamp size that's um, all I want. real player size takes you like <laughs> two hours to download no so like it's weird because I, I, I look in the future, I look to the future and I think like, well, what would a PS5 even be? Mm. And honestly, for me, especially with the way that these consoles are built, especially with the way that there are just so many games on PS4 now and like on Switch, like, like yeah. there are already several hundred games either out or in currently announced to be in production for that system. And it's not even a year into its lifespan. Um, what I want more than anything is the next system to just pick up where the last one left off, let me use all of my games, 
And mm-hmm. like, and and you know, maybe the answer to that then is incremental upgrades. Maybe the answer yeah. to that is like, if you want a more like some more powerful hardware, maybe there's some exclusive software that runs on a PS5. But since it's an x86 architecture, or since like Switch uses Android, like supposedly uses Android, I think is what they said, um, like s- similar to the Nvidia Shield, that like you don't have to worry about rebuying your old games again. You don't have to worry about, like, leaving behind an entire generation of software just to get the next bigger and better thing. And I think that will be more valuable going forward to people if people if, if they do end up making more powerful consoles. The industry itself seems to be moving in a direction that, that reflects that kind of ecosystem anyway. Uh, GamesIndustry.biz, literally just today, as we're recording this, ran an interview with the CEO of Square Enix, mm-hmm. uh, Yosuke Matsuda. And he was talking about how, you know, they, they asked him, like, oh, you know, I, you know, what does it take for a game to be successful for you, Square Enix, you know? And they pointed back to 2013 when they said Tomb Raider, having only sold, you know, a few million copies, still disappointed. <laughs> and he, he went on, he was like, look, like, here's the reality of why, like, we said that, and you need to understand that, you know, that's not, it, it, we weren't saying that it was a disappointment, we were saying we wildly overestimated how much it was going to sell because of the way the our, our earnings calendar works. But all of that aside, he also said, you know, the way we measure success for games in 2017 is even different than where we were in 2013 because the back catalog of games is more important now. And we don't ex- we don't just look at how a game sells in its first two weeks or whatever. And he pointed out uh, that Just Cause 3 is a game that's just just earning money for them at this point. It's completely paid off. Like, it earned everything back, and it just keeps selling at this consistent rate. And if we see this incremental new console, this just slight step up, but then it maintains that library of software completely, you know, that's the, the people who are funding these huge games want to see that as well. John, do you, do you find yourself, you know, do you like the idea that, you know, in five years from now, you're still going to have a PlayStation 4 under your TV rather than something new and crazy? <clears throat> well... Right off the bat, I just want to I want to clear up the concept of a of a teraflop. Uh, that is actually something that that is actually something that Hulk Hogan does at at SummerSlam when he's <laughs> cutting a promo and he says, "Listen up, brother! At SummerSlam, I'm coming off the top rope with the big teraflop. <laughs> oh yeah, brother! Like that 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 Brutus the Barber Beefcake yeah, that's is right behind him. That's, that's that's what I think of when I hear the word teraflop. Like like he's is he? Yes, he's setting him up for the teraflop. Like that's that's what I think of, but. <laughs> um, you know, that's all I'm gonna have in my head for the rest of this conversation. Um, but yes and no. Um, look, I I don't think that I don't think that Power sold the PS4. Yeah, I think I, think I agree. Microsoft, I think Microsoft sold the PS4. I think hmm. Microsoft did a better job of selling the PS4 than Sony ever could have done yeah. at that disastrous E3 they had in 2013. Um, when they had, when there was talk and obfuscation about, you know, DRM and 24 hour, you know, check-ins and mandatory online. Um, I don't think the narrative of this gen, this gen was ever about power. I think gamers just didn't want to be put inside of a box. Hmm. And, and, and even though, and, and, you know, in, in the age of social media, even though Microsoft came and said, Hey, we're not doing that anymore. We're eliminating it before the console even launches. That's stuck around, and gamers have you know we are a we are a 
we are a group of people with very long memories. You guys know that. We don't ever forget shit. And and that is that is a stigma that continued to follow Microsoft this entire generation. And now here we are. Um, Microsoft has put out look. Power power in gaming is great, but if people cared about power, then the Xbox One X would be the highest selling console. Yeah, this this fall, the Neo Geo handily beaten the Super Nintendo back exactly. in the nineties, and exactly, and and you know what, the Switch has won more NPDs than it has lost since it has launched. So if people cared about power, the Switch would be my my Switch would be sitting in the dustbin right now. But I play it more than I do my PS4. Yeah. Um, do I want a PS4 sitting under my TV in five years? Probably not. I would probably rather. I would rather Sony have a, a PS5 under my television at that point. But you know what? As long as the games keep coming, as long as the games that keep coming are good and and fun to play, they could look like. I mean, they could they could be Atari games for all I care. I just want yeah. I want I want good and I want a good enjoyable core experience. And at, at the end of the day, like I, I think core gamers care about good games and the mass market cares about price, yeah. which is why you and, – and the mass market of gamers, which is the casual audience of gamers, makes up 90% of the gaming market. Yeah, and I, I think I think that, the, the, you know, the mass market – I think people that just like play one or two video games a year, like they also want things that are good, you know? Like, they do. I, 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 I am very quick to judge uh, – you know the the mass market for buying things like Ghost Recon Wildlands that depresses the piss out of me, but you know at the exact same time I I feel like there's a very good reason that something like Grand Theft Auto Five is as successful as it is because I might not like Grand Theft Auto. 5. I hate Grand Theft Auto. 5. I, I hate that game, but like it's <laughs> impeccably made. Like it is. Like it is. Yeah. It is impeccable. Like it is. It is very well made. Like the the they care about affordability and they care about quality. You know, like it's it's got to be good and it's got to be cheap and it's why the best selling consoles of all time are, you know, the the freaking NES, the PlayStation Two, and the Nintendo Wii. Now, none of these things were insanely powerful. They were in fact yep. the weakest of their you know respective well, generations. Look at Breath of the Wild. I mean, Breath, yeah. Breath of the Wild is is a cross generation game. Like like people don't talk about the Wii U version, but there's a Wii U version of Breath of the Wild, and it runs just fine. Yeah. Um. You know, and and that is another game that you know I I, I know Anthony. I know you're not the biggest fan of Breath of the Wild, but I don't think anybody would deny it, it is an extremely well made game. And it's my game. Their... It's my game of the year, John. I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> the end of Breath of the Wild is my game of the year. It is actually my for my, being terrible. <laughs> it is actually it is actually one of the frontrunners for my game of the year. Um. But uh. But um. I, I'll tell you what. Like. I just want quality and, yeah. and I, I want passion. And I, I, when I play a game, like for a great example of this is Shadow of War, the mm. new, uh, the new Middle Earth game. I, and you are talking to somebody who is a huge Tolkien nerd. Like mm. I read Lord of the Rings, the entire trilogy every year. I can quote you passages from the Silmarillion. I can tell you the difference between, you know, like I, 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 I know my Lord of the Rings. You're, I know you're my, Team I, Bombadil. Is I, what you're I, telling I, me. I, I am, I am Team Bombadil for life. Um, I, I tell people, I tell people, man, Radagast got a bad, he, he got a, he got a bad deal. And they're like, who the fuck is Radagast? Like, so, so I know my, I, I know my Tolkien, and I was playing Shadow of War, and I got about eight hours into it, and I just couldn't do it anymore because it really? felt so. 
stale and commercialized and oh. cobbled together from different parts. Like I described it on Twitter as the plain oatmeal of gaming. Like oh. it'll fill it'll fill you up, but it has absolutely no flavor whatsoever. And and that was my experience playing Shadow of War. It felt like it wasn't a Ubisoft game, but it felt like an open world Ubisoft game. Like there were markers everywhere. No. There are markers <laughs> everywhere. And there's there are objectives literally. Like you can either have the HUD on or off. Like there's no way to like piecemeal it. So if you have the HUD on because you need that mini map, there's a list of objectives obscuring no. the upper left corner of the screen saying, Go here and do this, and it's time to do this. Oh, oh I love and, going and, shopping. And, <laughs> and and it is just like it is the, like, I got so depressed playing it. Like, and I won't even get into the fact that Shelob, the, you know, the last child. Sexy of, Shelob. Yeah, Shelob, I was like, why is she a sexy lady in a, in a, in a nighty? Like, I don't get it. Like, she's, Tolkien's, was, Tolkien's original. I was vision. like, this is the last child of Ungolian <laughs> to trouble the unhappy world. To, like, to, to quote Tolkien. Like, why is she, <laughs> Shelob's not supposed to put to a be phrase hot. on that. Like, it's, like, J, it's it's old J. Oh, John, everybody knows that in 1951, <laughs> old J.R. and C.S. Lewis were sitting at the pub, and J.R. Tolkien was like, "You know what, Mister Lewis? I've been thinking that this children's book I've been making C.S. would really benefit from a spider with slamming boobs." Like, like C.S. Lewis, they're brainstorming over or how to, and he's like, he's like. He's like, oh, listen up, chap. I've been reading your manuscript of Lord of the Rings, and I tell you what, it's it's a smashing good time. But I do have one recommendation: is there any way we can make the spider more bangable? Yeah. Like, like I just have this, and I have this image of like C.S. Lewis, like looking like Austin Powers as he does yes. it. Like, can we make him more shaggable, baby? Can we do it? I, mean, yeah. I hear waifus are really in right now. Can you? Yeah. <laughs> like, Oh god, now I'm just picturing Austin Powers being like Can you dig it, baby? It's a talking lion that's Jesus, man! <laughs> Austin Powers just walks in her lair and says, Do I make you Randy, baby? Yeah! Get this, you walk into this closet, right? These teenagers go into the closet and there's a Randy goat man in there. Who's like, you've got to kill this ice queen, man. It's groovy. That was, oh, God. How did we get here? No, that's, like, my, that's my fantasy. Andrew House and Austin Powers are crossbred ooh. into a single human being. To quote Doc Holliday from Tombstone, how lewd. <laughs> <laughs> but no, no, really. Like it was just—it was so depressing, man. It was just yeah. depressing. And I, you know what, man? I took it back and I traded it in because I was like, I don't. There are so many games out right now. I don't have time for this. Like, I don't have time to be disappointed by something I love. Yeah, and man, here I am saying <laughs> that like the mass market wants quality, and Shadow of War was the best-selling <laughs> game last month. That is so depressing to me. Like, oh my! Uh, oh. But like, you know, man. I, I, to, to sort of put a pin in this console conversation, you know, I, I don't necessarily want there to still be a PlayStation 4 under my television either because I, you know, there are things that I wish were better about my PlayStation 4. Like, I, 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 I think it still runs great. You know, the fact that there's an Xbox 360 that's still in regular use in my house reminds me how good the PlayStation 4 is on a pure usability level. Because just turning on a 360, yeah. you forget Dude. how long it took. Have you booted up a like... PS3? Yeah, I know it takes. Oh my god! Yeah. Have, you got to sit there. You got to wait for the orchestra to queue up. Have, and you got to get have, the strings ready to go. And it's like, whew. 
And have like, you, okay, can we play now? Jesus. Have you have you gone on the PS3's PSN store? No, you recently? can't. Oh, it's physically so impossible it to get is, PSN to load at this point. Literal minutes yes. for that thing to I load. I fired up my PS3 a few weeks ago because I was like, well, since EA refuses to give me Dead Space Remastered, I really want to go play some Dead Space. So I plugged in my PS3. And I realized that I did not have Dead Space 2 downloaded on the hard drive. So I, I, I'm screwing. And after 10 minutes, I was like, fuck it. I can't do this. <laughs> like, forget it. Like, this is all. And especially after coming off of something as sleek as the PS4's uh, UI. Yeah. Um, and it's sleek and easy to use. Like, when you're going back to the to the cross media bar, on the, I'm like, and, and like holding that tiny little DualShock 3 in my hands. I was like, how yeah. was I ever okay with this? Yeah. Like, how Not is this ideal. ever acceptable? I will Not say we, we rag on Xbox uh, for so for some good reasons, but I, I feel like one of the best things they have going for them is the ability to play those old 360 games on their not like yeah slow garbage hardware um yeah. oh i'll tell you what if the, if, if the playstation 5 is not backwards compatible i'm rioting <laughs> well all right so that's that's where i was headed with this is what i need from the next generation of consoles is not i don't need it to be sexy i don't need it pulling off a hulkamaniac's teraflop off the top of the steel cage what oh I yeah need, brother it, i need i need actual support for a back catalog not a virtual console, not a PS2 Classics on, just here are all the things that have been on our hardware in the past, you can play them all now. Because, like, it's it's bullshit that we're sitting here being like, well, how do we, you know, convince people that it's more advanced? Let's make it 4K. Let's yeah. convince everybody that 4K is a thing that really matters. And, like, yes, you can see it, but it's not important. It's not making that much of a difference for anybody who's playing anything that isn't, like, the most wildly precise competitive game in the free Yeah, so world. just give it to us. So, like, like uh, why, why can I go to Amazon and type in the name of a movie from 1953 and be watching it in 10 seconds after paying them a couple of bucks, but I don't have a reasonable way to go play pr- freaking Brave Fencer Musashi on my PlayStation 4. What, Frank, what's the most- Frank Cifaldi has a great talk about this on YouTube. You should watch he does. it. He basically yeah. lays it out. It's like, I could find any copy of Uncle Buck I want anywhere I want. I could get it in a two-pack Blu-ray. I could get it on DVD. Yep. I could get it on iTunes, Amazon, Vudu, Hulu, everything. But, yeah. like, what's the biggest game of, like, the late 80s? Like, DuckTales. Look at that, like or like Mega Man. The, hey, look! The only way that you could get Mega Man is this collection we ported on PS4. Like, there's like, you yeah, sh- man. it should so, be easier so, to play old games. Yeah. One of the most frustrating, like, like the best way I can sum it up is I own a physical copy of Nino Kuni, right? <laughs> um, yeah. I own a physical copy of Nino Kuni. The disc drive in my PS3 is busted, so I can I can only play digital games on that, right? So if I want to play Nino Kuni. Even though I can't just pop in the disc. If I want to play it on my PS4, I've got to get on PS Now, yeah, which is which sucks. <laughs> I've got to pay for a, I've got to pay for a subscription to PS Now, and then I've got to stream the game from Sony servers, as opposed to just taking the game that I already own physically and putting it in my PS4, like every Xbox One owner can do with tons of their 360 games. Yep. 
Which, yeah. which, and and when the, when they announced backwards compatibility, I was like, okay, Sony's next. Like, you know, they're going to do it, and they, it's been years now. They don't have and to. They haven't done it. I, I I get that they don't have to, but it's they don't like, have guys, to because they're in first place. Throw me a bone. Yeah, it's like it's like don't be Comcast. Give me options. <laughs> like, come on. Like, I just, oh god, it's so yeah. frustrating. Yeah, Eric and I, Sony's I, back. It's the it's. I will say that right now it is the only thing that truly disappoints me about the Nintendo Switch. Like the Switch is a a brilliant machine, but it represents y- yet another backslide after Nintendo's really really excellent curation of their bag catalog on Nintendo Wii. Like the Wii, yep. the Virtual Console, the entire WiiWare setup, it was great. It There's was so many weird games on there. The so many lack, weird games, and just the lack like, of a virtual console on the Switch is I kills mean, me. Wow, yeah. And yeah. I and I tell you what, somebody asked me the other day. They said, "John, do you think we're going to get a virtual console on the Switch?" I said, "No, I don't." Yeah. And they said, "And they said why?" And I was like, "Look at the way those mini consoles are selling." You yeah. think you think Nintendo's given that golden goose up? I don't think so. I, I'm looking forward to the announcement of the N64 Classic and then the GameCube <laughs> Classic because you know it's going to happen. You yeah. know it's going to happen, and we are not going to get a virtual console on the Switch, or at and, least not what, one that's robust. Not well, like... no. So it's like apparently we'll get that PS Now thing, where like it's like a Netflix service where you'll uh. you'll subscribe and you'll play you'll play games. And, and you know what? You know, but I am such I am so desperate at this point, Anthony, that <laughs> if, if if I have to subscribe to a service to play Final Fantasy VI on my Switch, I will do it. Like Nintendo, yeah. that's how much I want to play your games. So so let let me play let me play your games. Let me play your games let, on the Switch. Let me give you human dollars yeah, to play these money games. Dollars. Because I I'll tell you what, if the virtual console as it existed on the Wii ever hit the Switch, I'm not sure I would ever pick up my DualShock 4 ever again. Hmm. Yeah. I, I, except I, ex- except for like those exclusive releases like God of War or or you know whatever sequel ha- or you know her- you know the last of us 2 i would never touch my dual shock 4 again yeah if i, I can I'm, take I'm right there those- with you man oh my oh and i feel like nintendo you think the switch is selling now like yeah. put the virtual console on it and just just sit back and watch that thing vomit money all over the place the other thing is is you know they nintendo with their mini consoles i'm going to say a thing that is horrible and oh I'm disgusted at myself for saying it, but how how much was the NES Classic? Sixty. Oh, it was yeah, sixty dollars. It's the exact price of a new retail game. Yep. Just put a cartridge out, guys. Just yep. put all those thirty NES games on a cartridge and I had that same thought. Sixty bucks for it. Can you and imagine it, taking every one of the games on the SNES Classic and and putting them on a single little card because you can fit them on a on a on a on a uh, switch cartridge. Oh yeah, take easy. I, imagine having one cart with games like Super Mario RPG, Final Fantasy III, F Zero, Donkey Kong Country, <laughs> Super Mario World. I mean, dude, like I would that it. right that right there is months of entertainment. Months I hate of I hate saying it. I would buy it and like I would yeah, absolutely the, buy it. The the the, it's, the Super Nintendo Classic <laughs> is a cool little piece of kit. I think it's. Neat, and I'm I'm glad that my daughter will have that to, you know, just beat up and wreck 
uh, except for the, to her heart's except, desire. Except for the lack of Chrono Trigger, which is just inexplicable. Well, I, I, yeah, there, are there are ways. There are ways. But yeah, like, and that's that's ultimately the speaking of there are ways. Like that's ultimately the thing. Like if it's easier to pirate a game than to give like money to own something legally, then something bad, like something wrong, has happened. So. Well, on, uh, yeah, before on, we on close that out, before yeah, before we close out, uh, let's talk about Nintendo Switch games that are not thirty-five years old. Uh, let's talk about Nintendo Switch games that are brand new. One that is delightful and weird, and then another that is surprisingly delightful and weird. <laughs> uh, Dave, you've been playing a little Battle Chef Brigade. Yeah, a little Battle Chef Brigade. Oh, is that the side-scrolling chef game? Like, like, yeah. Like, 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 kind of like the beat-em-up? Oh, yeah, tell me about it. Yeah, okay, so, yeah, it, it is basically, like... It's a it's a it's a weird mashup of genres, which actually feels like a like a fit considering the uh, what it's 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 trying to replicate uh, what it's trying to accomplish. Uh, it's it is a side scrolling action game slash cooking game slash puzzle game. Uh, yeah, that is basically like it is Iron Chef the game. the The concept is is you play as. Um, Mina, who's a who's a young girl in this society, much like things like Pokemon, where the entire economy and culture and everything all revolves around one particular activity. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this case, it is being a battle chef. Um, there's a thing <laughs> called the Brigade. Basically, it's made up of a bunch of warrior chefs that fight monsters and protect the populace and then turn the ingredients for those monsters into tasty dishes that serve the people. Uh, and you play as Mina, who wants to be a part of this, this these warrior uh, chefs. And so you go off to this kingdom to, to train and to be part of, uh, to basically compete for a chance to become uh, a part of this elite group. And then, like, eventually solve uh, mysteries and problems that are going around uh, the kingdom. So the way it works is you have a set amount of time for each... Uh, Mission and like the 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 guy who runs it is this dude who totally evokes that sense of like uh, Chairman Kaga from Iron Chef. Yeah, Shaft, he, he like, just flat out looks like Chairman. Yeah, Kaga, like, like biting into the bell the pepper. <laughs> yeah, uh, and so yeah, when he says "Viva la Brigade," uh, the gong goes off, and you have like five or however many minutes to to make a dish. And so you have a bunch of guest judges who show up, and they have uh, various preferences. So there are three pla- uh, flavor profiles. There's fire, earth, and water. And um, there's a main ingredient that has to be in your dish. If it's not in your dish, you, you lose points. Um, and so what you do is, once the gong goes off, you run to the left, and there's this whole like side-scrolling, platformy wilderness area that you run around and explore. Um, they're, they're generally pretty small. But basically, your goal here is to beat up as many monsters as you can, kill them, and then take their juicy innards back <laughs> with you into the kitchen. So you, 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 it's a race against the clock. You're trying to grab ingredients, uh, and then you bring them back. And then as you run back in the kitchen, all your ingredients appear on your shelf, and then you hop uh, in front of one of your dishes. You can have up to three pots going at a time. And the pots have different attributes. They cook things differently. Uh, like, one of them will cook in certain elemental ingredients with fewer gems, but uh, won't cook any other type of flavor, so you have to move it to another pot if you have, like, fire or something. 
So you put it in a pot, and then every ingredient is represented by a stack uh, or like a square or a row of different colored gems. So you toss the ingredients into this dish, and then you rotate the gems. You're basically stirring the dish by rotating (laughs) these gems clockwise or counterclockwise to match up the flavor gems. And once you get three of them lined up, they smush together to form a higher level gem. And then you can smush uh, three level two gems to make a level three gem, and that's the highest they go. And so you're trying to craft this dish in this like very um, improvisational way. Like it is very much like that. Okay, so this is what I have. What can I make with this? And you, you you're not really like coming up with the dishes, but the hmm. dishes that get made are reflected by the makeup of your dish so if you have a lot of one like a dragon meat your your dish will like when you present it to the judge and it's finally finished it'll look like overflowing with like rib meat but if it's also like uh heavy on like fire ingredients it'll be like flaming uh uh, like flames will come off the dish as you present it and there'll be like lots of red sauce and stuff all over it and you can uh tweak the flavor profile by um choosing different ingredients and then the game starts layering in more and more different types of gems like uh there there's bones that when you mix them together they become a rainbow gem which is basically like a wild gem so if you have two level two gems and a rainbow gem you put those together and it becomes one level three gem and the sounds it sounds a lot like odin sphere the old vanilla where a little bit yeah oh i love odin sphere Sounds yeah, like the in in terms of because all the leveling in Odin Sphere was it was that same sort of thing. You go out into a wilderness, you side scroll around, beating the shit out of everything, and you're constantly killing peppers, and you need to mix yeah. peppers to make. Yeah, and then that magic and, chef would come and flip his restaurant open, and yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it, 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 it sounds like that sort of flow is the same. How much? Yeah. How much time are you spending doing the cooking as opposed to the the outside gathering? You're going back and forth. You're going back. You're and going forth. back and so, forth. So, like, say you have five minutes to 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 finish your dish. Um, so you spend like thirty seconds out in the wilderness, and you're just like beating. Like it, enemies die pretty quickly. You're you're unless you're fighting like a big dragon. You're not usually spending a lot of time fighting enemies, uh, but you still need to be careful. You need to know how to dodge, how to use your special abilities, that sort of thing. Um, and then when you pick stuff up, you run in the kitchen and then like, if you're like, as you start to learn how things work, you'll get faster at it, obviously. But like usually spend like maybe 30 seconds to a minute in the kitchen, mixing your stuff together and like mm. getting all, cause you, you like, what you'll eventually do is like all, as you put all of the ingredients in your, in your dish, you'll have like, it's like a, I forget how big the grid is four by four, five by five, something like that, but that'll be full. So what you're, you'll end up doing is, as your gems are combining, you'll create more space for yourself. So you're like, okay, how much time do I have? Three minutes? Okay, I have time to go get more stuff. So you run back to the wilderness, fight some more enemies, grab some more ingredients, and run back. And it's like they really nail that feeling that you get from watching shows like like Chopped or like Iron Chef or like um, cool. Top Chef, where it's like like it really does feel like... Like there are moments where you're like, okay, I have I have thirty seconds to finish this dish and get it. Like not only do you have to finish it, but you have to bring that dish up to the judges or you lose points. So you're like you're constantly checking the clock to see how much time you have left. And like it can come down to the wire and you're like you're doing the thing where you're like, okay, I can get one more mix and then in and then okay, done, and then time's up. 
uh, just like in those shows. Like they, 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 they really nailed that feeling of of coming you, in you, under the wire. How do you lose? Like, is there a lose? Is there a yeah. way to fail? So yeah, like basically, uh, at least where I'm at right now, you're basically challenging other students in the game, and depending on how many matches that you win determines your ranking in the system. But the thing is, if you lose, you just replay the match over again. But so once your dish is finished. It goes to the judges, and then based on the combination of gems in it and the the kind of dish it, dish it is, you'll get a, it'll have a certain point value. So as you're matching gems, you're increasing the point value of that dish. So you have a bunch of level three gems in it. It can be worth up to like 100, 150 points. And huh. then once you bring it to the uh, to the judge, they'll be like, oh hey, this is actually really heavy on uh, the earth element that I really like. So I'm going to award you some bonus points, but you forgot to include the main ingredient, which, like, dum-dum, don't do that. Uh, so we're going to subtract, like, 50 points from your score. And then the other person that you're playing against is doing the same thing. So if your point value is higher than theirs, you win. Um, so, yeah, no, it's it's really cool. I get the sense that, like, once you kind of get how it works it doesn't really change a whole lot. Like, you'll get some additional yeah. upgrades. You'll get, like, uh, there's a shop that you can buy additional, like, pots and ingredients and stuff from. Uh, there's There are a few little wrinkles that get introduced, um, like the bones and the rainbow gems and stuff over time, but it's it seems like basically the core concept is the same from beginning to end, so it, it, it feels less like a sense of progression and more just like you're playing through these matches and, and doing kind of hmm. the same stuff over and over again but it's just it's pleasant it's yeah. so ple- it's like it is like playing a like a saturday morning cartoon where everyone's just best friends and they want each want each other to succeed and even the rivals are like man that was a tough battle but you put your all into it awesome let's go high five like awesome it's it sounds just... like the opposite of john's shadow of war experience so yeah. so so I actually have a question about this. Yeah. Um, David, what do you think the odds are that we'll get, like, some Final Fantasy XV crossover in Battle Chefs? Like, get a little Ignis action going, you know, like, you know, a, you know, maybe a new recipe DLC, you know, Square, like that would, Square Enix with that hot indie crossover. That would be amazing because, as you know... Cup noodle uh. shrimper selected from over sixty varieties for their flavor <laughs> and their shape. Like that would, if we could get some, if we could get some Ignis crossover going in in, in Battle Chef Brigade. That like, any I other feel year, like that would be amazing. Any other year, I'd say you're out of your mind. But between uh, Cup Noodle Hat and yep. uh, and Assassin's Noctis showing Creed. up, yeah, Assassin's Creed Festival and Noctis showing up in Tekken Seven. I'm not like I'm not writing anything off at this. This is point. the year of dreams, my man. This is yeah. the year of dreams. Okay, like and 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 I feel like Final Fantasy Fifteen would finally be complete if we can just get Ignis DLC into Battle Chef Brigade. That would be. That would that you know 2007. It's been a rough year for everybody. That would make everything worth it, right? Yeah, there. I completely agree. That that would actually fix if there was a moment where the Chairman Kaga, you know, proxy in Battle Chef Brigade was like about to bite into a pepper before one of the competitions, and Ignis just grabbed it out of his hand and just and, like. And what if he grabbed it out of his hand? Like that's how you that's how you advertise the DLC. He's about to take a huge bite. And then all of a sudden, it, it stops. There's like a record scratch noise. You got to put in the record scratch noise. Right. And then a hand comes out of the screen, grabs a sandwich, it pans over to Ignis, and he says, Stop! 
I've come up with a new recipe. Yes. Like, and then, and you, then, boom, then and, flames appear. Yes. And then you, you launch the logo and the crossover. Uh, and you, you could just call it Battle Chef Brigade, a new recipe. That's game like, of the that year. That would be you, that right there, I think. I mean, Square Enix, you're, you're, it's, you're sitting on a gold mine, Square Enix. <laughs> you're like, come on, let's do it. That would put it over the top for me for freaking ever. Yeah, that, that, Dave, you just saying, like, it's pleasant is... That describes so much of my entire Nintendo Switch experience. Even when I'm playing something, you know, that is that is just rip and tear. When I'm playing Doom. If I'm just playing it on handheld, I'm like, this is so nice. This is all I want this playing so video just, games Just to be. curl up in a blanket and... All the time. <laughs> uh... So I, we're, we're actually winding down to, to our sort of unofficial time limit here on the show, but I do want to get one last recommendation out, and I, it's it, Battleship Brigade, I feel like, is a perfect complement to this game. Another new Nintendo Switch game made by a company called Gust. This game is called Knights of Azure 2, and anybody who knows this game just by, they recognize the title, they recognize the, the cover, uh, bear with me, this game... <laughs> This game deserves a shot, man. <laughs> because on our last, on our la- like, I, I am, I am not a stranger to the cheesecake game. I've played a Senren Kagura here and there, oh, but like, boy. it's not like the cheesecake game isn't a thing that I am some kind of you know devotee of. I've dabbled. I've been in there, and. Yeah. I feel like this is like I, I'm I'm sort of a hypocrite because last week last time on the show, I went on like a ten minute rant about the ridiculous cheesecake in East Eight, uh, a game I, which I finally finished and everybody should play East Eight. It's amazing. But so Nice of Azer Two looks like a Senren Kagura like game when you see the cover of it. There are uh, busty anime ladies on the cover. Uh, it looks it looks pretty lascivious at first blush, <laughs> and I checked this game out not only because uh, I am like in that mode where anything that comes out on Switch I want to play it. Like, oh, it's a Switch game, uh, and it's on a cartridge. I want it. Put Co-signed. it in my hands. Yeah, yeah. I, I I'm just there. Like I I find myself buying games that I just otherwise wouldn't. You know, I would have never bought Super Bomberman R. Yeah, I just I just, I, I want to play everything on my Switch. I, I want to play, play all. Yeah. So Knights of Azer Two was part of that, and Jeremy Parrish, he uh, friend of friend of mine, uh, friend uh, unofficial. We're I'm not going to call him friend of the show. I'm not going to do that. I was about to say friend <laughs> of the show, and that just doesn't make any sense. Uh, a buddy of mine, and he recommended the original game. He said Knights of Azer for PS4 and Vita was a good game. And so I was like, screw it. This one's on Switch. I'll give it a shot. And when it starts, uh, I was definitely like, wait, this is just anime cheesecake nonsense. This is... I, I, explain, I, I described it to Dave last night as clearly one of those anime VHS tapes you would have seen at the end of an aisle at Blockbuster. Yeah, like Plastic like, Little or... Yeah, like in like 1997, <laughs> it's sitting next to Ranma Volume 4. There are no other volumes of Ranma available. <laughs> it's that kind of game. That's all they... Yeah. And, like, it's just the dumbest, loosest anime premise. You are... Like, the world's covered with demons, and it sucks! And you play as a woman who is a knight, and you are in charge of 
protecting your best friend who's some kind of spellcaster. She's gonna have to be sacrificed to, like, destroy the Moon Queen, who's in charge of all the demons, and... Don't she, worry about it. Don't worry about it. The Moon yeah. Queen, yeah. Anyway, you, the knight, turn into a half-demon. You gotta save the world. Blah, 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 blah. It is... A, not nearly as perverted as it looks. Hmm. Uh, and C... B. I, I was going to skip B. I was going to say I was just going to skip B. B. It's really just fun. It's a very uh, simple brawler slash action RPG. There are RPG elements, but the best corollary I think that you could have to this game is that it feels like a, a Dynasty Warriors game at times, in terms of the, just the the way the action flows. Not that there are hundreds and hundreds of enemies. It's actually pretty small scale, but the action, like that sort of beat em up mechanic from Dynasty Warriors, that's what the combat in this feels like. And C, it's weirdly touching at times. It is not, uh, it, it, it's not that it's devoid of the fan service stuff. There is cheesecake stuff, but in all of these moments where you would expect there to be pandering, where you would expect there to be clothing destroyed, where you expect, like, some kind of horrific, you know, Bayonetta or Quiet and Metal Gear Solid exploitation shot. Instead, one of the characters will lay their head on the main character's shoulder and they'll just hug. It's weirdly, weirdly tender. Uh, <laughs> Weird. I love that term. Uh, what, what else can I say? I, I, I found myself very charmed by this game. Uh, the flow is, you, know, you are sort of always on a timer. The world is going to end, and the idea is that the moon is going to be eclipsed at a certain point, and if the moon goes into full eclipse, the game is over. So you've got to complete these sort of main story missions before that happens, and you have, at you as you level up in the game, you have more time to spend beating up monsters in, you know, one of these seven levels throughout the game, and to achieve goals before the eclipse completes. So, the cycle is you go out, you complete a mission, whether it's go destroy however many of these monsters, go find this one item, and then return, go to sleep in a hotel, because everybody everybody lives in a hotel in this game for some reason. <laughs> there's a pool. And <laughs> of course there is. <laughs> there's a pool. And then you go back out and do it again. And if you want to mainline it and sort of just gun through the main story, it's very, very quick. You could just sort of blast through it. There are very few prerequisites. You can go beginning to the end in, I don't know, six, seven hours, just about. But the rest of it is really fun in terms of going and completing these side quests. And you have a partner character at any given time. And the partner characters are just, it's very Dynasty Warrior Styles characters. It's, one woman has, like, these sort of Voldo from Soul Calibur-esque hand knives. One has a hammer. One's a swordswoman. And you go out, and if you complete quests that are specific to them, you build up a friendship with them. And, man, I, it's just pleasant. It's just a really, really good time. The, the sort of Dynasty Warriors feel, you would expect that if the combat felt as floaty as it does in Dynasty Warriors and there weren't hundreds of characters all the time, it wouldn't be fun. But it's a blast. It's great to just sit there and wail on these monsters, and then all of a sudden have the, the two characters be like, wasn't it great when we went to school and there weren't demons everywhere and it sucked around here? And you're like, yeah, it was pretty nice. 
It's good. If you want, if you need something to plug into your Switch, I cannot recommend it enough. Dave, are, have I sold you at this point? I feel like I've been doing the hard sale with sell with Knights of Azer for a couple uh, of days. I there are lots of games that I want to check out. That is one of them, <laughs> but it's a matter of time. You yeah. know, I like I look I look at the mountain of games that I want to play, and I don't look at them as things that I. <laughs> Like, things that I'm going to enjoy, but rather things that I need to finish, as one would homework, or a long-term yep. project. Uh, like, like finally getting around to putting deck paneling on the side of your house after putting it off for months. Like, this, like, uh, I'm going through Danganronpa right now, and I'm really enjoying it, but it's also like, wow, stop talking so much, let me just finish this game so I can move on to the next one, and, yeah. Video games are supposed to be fun. That was also that was what surprised me about the Knights of Azure thing. I I picked it up uh, alongside these other games uh, this fall, and I was like, oh well, I'll get to it when I'm done with Wolfenstein and Uncharted: Lost Legacy, and you know, insert huge scroll of getting Mario Odyssey and Doom on Switch. And then twenty and I, hours pass, and you're like, it, it literally was like that. It was I played the first level, and I was like, yeah, I'll check out the second level. And then I've that was like all I played for like three nights in a row. It's freaking. <laughs> see, I would see I would be playing this handheld, yeah, and just and just like like this, and, and you know, Vicky, my wife, would be like, "What are you playing over there?" I'm like, "Nothing, nothing, don't worry nothing. about it." Nothing. She's like, "No, no, let me see it." No, what are you playing? I'm curious. I'm like, "No, you you would no, really, no, you you don't, you, you're, you don't want to know nothing about this, honey. You're not right. You don't want to know nothing about this." And and then she would she would look over my shoulder at just the right moment that like some boobs are about to come spilling out and and the jig is up. She's like, "What are you playing?" And I'm like, that's, "No, I, sorry. that's the thing. They never come spilling out. It's never like Shelob. It's never. <laughs> there's no Shelob moment in this game. You keep waiting for there to be a Shelob moment, and instead it's just like, well, no, we got to go fight it. There actually is. Oh my god, there is a literal Shelob moment in this game." Because you do have to fight a giant demon spider lady. <laughs> but she is still... No, never mind. She is a sexy anime lady at one point. You just never mind. Damn it. Anyway. Shut it down. We shut it down. Shut it down. <laughs> Here, let me restart this whole thing. There's a better version of Shadow of War. <laughs> available for Nintendo Switch. And I cannot recommend it enough. Listen up, JR. I love the... <laughs> I can't. JR, baby, it's wild! <laughs> We're going to have to make that spider more randy, baby. Yeah. Get this. We're going to have Prince Caspian. He's going to be there. All of those swinging teenagers. We're going to have the lion who's also Jesus. It's going know, to be wild. I know we're not in the 1960s yet, baby. But when we get that, it's going to be randy. Yeah. Oh, my God. Let's get the party started early. Oh, we need to I end love... It. I love C.S. Lewis Powers so much. <laughs> He's my favorite person. Uh, everybody, I think that brings if, us if to the end. If we lose, like, 50 patrons because of this, I'm blaming yeah, you fine. both. And, of totally... course, it, it, it will be the episode that you had me on, that it's you to... lose all your patrons. So. Susan is going to be either... Susan is either going to love C.S. Lewis Powers or be so profoundly annoyed by this entire episode. C.S. Lewis I, Powers is, I think, I cannot become wait. the new staple of the show. I'm just imagining... <laughs> I'm imagining her yelling right now. Just, just so like much. on her just, couch. 
listening. Oh, I'm going to see what happened with Continue Pod this weekend. Did, just... did, does she know I'm on this right now? Does she know I'm doing this? No, I think it's going to be a complete surprise. Oh, it's going to be wonderful. Yeah, I'm not going to tell gonna her. Great. It's going to be wonderful. Um, yeah, everybody, I thank you for listening. And we have very specific thanks to the many people that make this podcast possible uh, by going to patreon.com slash continue podcast. You got it. it. Right this time, Dan? You got it. You did it. <laughs> well done. Yeah. I did it. Patreon.com slash continue podcast and continuepod.com. Uh, we, guys, it just means the freaking world that anybody would pay for this. John, you are a backer of the show, and it means the freaking world that you, that you actually want us to do this. Uh, no, dude, you, you guys, you guys do great stuff here. And, you know, honestly, like, you know, all joking aside, you know, it, it, it's, it's awesome joking around, but in all honesty, there is a ton of toxicity in the gaming community and you find it everywhere. You find it online, you find it on social media, you find it on PSN and Xbox Live. You don't find it on Nintendo Switch because they don't really have voice <laughs> chat. But, but, but aside from aside from you know the Those e-shop, toxic you, Splatoon two murals that show yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People draw people draw all all kinds of ridiculous things on on Splatoon two. But but you know all of that aside, like there are not enough podcasts where people just like to laugh and make jokes, talk about games with no hostility whatsoever. And that is something I feel. Uh, continue podcast does very very well so i am proud to back you guys and i will continue backing you guys uh for as long as you need me to because i feel like the voices that are on this podcast are something that the community sorely needs especially in a year like 2017 where just everything feels like it's going to shit and um yeah no i i i I think i think this is one of the best podcasts out there man i'm seriously and i'm honored that you guys actually had me on it's a huge honor oh, for me. so are, are you well, kidding me man we 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 want you here it's the best i i can't believe again i i said this in our pre-show if you if anybody listening missed it but i was just so thrilled that you could just at the drop of a hat be here uh dave who else do we have to thank for the who made this possible yes yeah, so the sears uh, roebuck ha- foundation yeah, this- <laughs> made this possible yes the uh <laughs> our, our our special donors uh, if you go to uh, patreon.com slash continue podcast uh, and you donate us any amount of money, we're super grateful. $5 gets you exclusive podcast content as well as access to our Discord. But if you uh, back us at $10 or above, I'll read your name out on the podcast and probably butcher it. So here we go. First off, I want to give a special shout out to uh, Miko Arico Terreno, who uh, I believe I missed on the last one. Uh, Patreon has this weird layout and if something happens to your account like it messes up the order and it wasn't there so i didn't shout him out last time so here's a double shout out this time boom punch punch uh then we got john ryan brady peter ludwig kitzman Stormshot, christopher martinkovich gluttony one of seven francisco arias guimareas kaylin houston axel olsen mangholt tyler nelson shane nelson fossey saiyan yaddle Jacob Christos, Chris Cook, Skip Dippity, Tim Chesson, Jose Bullet Bomb Cordova. Uh, is he on there twice? Anyway. Uh, Daniel Squire, Tom, Derek Sanskrit KC, Nick Grugan, and Blissfully Ignorant. Thank you all so much for backing us. We, uh, we, we do this for you, and we couldn't do it without you. So thank yes. you all so much. All of those things. 
you can also find us. You our our Twitter feed is twitter.com slash continue pod. You can also find us on Facebook. It is not a very active Facebook page. Honestly, guys, <laughs> we're there just because we're supposed to be. Screw that place. Screw come on. We, it's, if, if screw you, you like Zuckerberg. It, it's face. It's Facebook. Nobody uses Facebook anymore. Nobody, I'm not paying you Facebook. money to surface content to my followers. Facebook. Yeah, I'm not Shut doing up. it, Zuckerberg. Zuck. You don't need. You don't need my ten dollars, man. Uh, Go but hang we out are in there. Middle America on a tractor and figure out why America is fractured. Can we start a MySpace page? Can we serve the podcast on a MySpace page? Is that still possible? I, I think. I it, I think it'll be more. It would be more impressive to uh, if I could find you on Alta Vista. Yeah, like let's all right, let's let's get our Friendster page going soon. Friends. Yes, uh, <laughs> I, I think Justin Timberlake bought MySpace and then all the accounts got hacked. So that was the last that I heard Aww. about that. <laughs> Damn it! Uh, but those are the places you can find us. John, tell the people where they can see the Super Deformed Gamecast. Uh, it's on Thursday nights at nine p.m. Eastern. But where do they see it? Well. I'm glad you asked. You can go to www.com.com. Go to www.com. Website. All, all sides of, it, it's called the internet. You'll find all kinds of crazy stuff there. No, go to www.youtube.com slash super deformed gamescast and go subscribe to our channel. We, we don't ever want to be huge. We just like having cool people to talk to games about. Anthony's been on there. David's been on there. Susan's been on there. Um, we've had a lot of other cool folks on there too. Uh, Michael Huber is going to be on for like the fourth time in a few weeks. Uh, he's a friend of the show. Um, yeah, dude, it, it, guys, it's cool. Just come check us out and please subscribe and, uh, help us get the word out. Uh, and go, go support that Saki, everybody. Saki for life. The Saki yeah. for days. Yeah. It's the worst. <laughs> God, uh, Dave, where else can the people find you specifically? Uh, find me uh, on Twitter at David Robots and uh, on a website about magic and deception called Genie Online with Susan. That's where I'm doing most of my work these days. You can catch catch all that that whimsy on yeah, Genie, lots Genie of whimsy. Dot, yeah, lots it's of fun. Whimsy. Would you say you say lots of whimsy? Would you say there's flights of fancy? The Flights oh, yeah. of Fancy, yeah. I, I'd say that there's a pretty good whimsy to Flights of Fancy ratio <laughs> on the website. Uh, if you want more of me and my my ramblings, you guys can find me at VentureBeat.com every single day. You can follow me on Twitter. Uh, it's at A. John Agnello. And if you want to listen to another podcast that I'm on, I'm on another bi-weekly show called Video Game Grooves which is a show explicitly about video game music on vinyl. And that is a fun show. We we talk a lot about Castlevania. If you can't get enough about, you know, fae-looking vampire boys with daddy mm-hmm. issues, that Alucard, man. I love Does that he sparkle guy. in the sunlight? He's, you, I, I don't know. He doesn't, Alucard doesn't need sunlight to sparkle. I think Alucard just, like, says bitchy things in the sunshine. Like, that's... <laughs> They, when you get the good ending in Symphony of the Night, he's in the sunshine and he's just like, yeah, I don't care what you guys are doing. I'm leaving. Peace. <laughs> and then he just takes I'm off. going to put myself back asleep and dream about how father never cared for me. I love that guy. Instead he's of a best. pixelated sword, it's like a pixelated bindle with a stick on it. <laughs> <and he's> <laughs> walking <laughs> down. Yeah, so he just goes off and he's like, e- I, I mean... I'm going to go that, get my pixelated not, leg warmers. That's not that crazy. Like, he's just constantly being like, here, roast turkey. And he just pulls it out of his coat. That's 
He's got a bindle in there somewhere. <laughs> I can relate to that. I, I I can relate to Alucard, man. Like, I would love to have just a, a platter of meat that restores all my energy whenever I need it. Just at like, any given time? Yeah. Like, oh, I'm going to punch a hole in the wall. Hopefully there's going to be a platter of meat there to make me feel better. That guy's the best. All right, everybody. We'll see you in two weeks. Thank you so much for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye.